chapter 17, verse 6 once again. We began last Wednesday talking about don't give your faith a break. Amen? Don't give your faith a break. Once again, we stated you can't allow or you can't afford to allow your faith to go on vacation. You cannot afford to allow your faith to get stagnant. Come on, say amen, somebody. You got to keep working your faith morning, day, and night. Morning, day, and night. Morning, day, and night. Come on, morning, day, and night. We look at Luke chapter 17, verse 6. And it reads, and the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of what? Mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamore tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should what? Obey you. Well, we talked about what a mustard seed was. Is the plant? Is the plant referred to here? Is generally considered a black mustard, and we found out that black mustard plant can grow up to nine feet tall. Somebody say nine feet tall, but it starts from a little small round seed, a little small round what seed? Now Jesus chose to use this this seed in many of his parables, and you'll find out they're all related to growth. Somebody say growth. Something that may start off small, but with proper care and nourishment will eventually grow and become great. Amen? We'll turn to Matthew 17, 20. It may start off small, but with proper care and what? Nourishment, it will eventually grow and become what? Great. Matthew 17, 20 reads, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a what? Grain of mustard seed, you shall what? Say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall re what? Remove, and nothing, 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 nothing shall be impossible unto who? Unto who? Unto me. But I want you to get a note how Jesus likens your faith. He likens it as a what? A grain of what? Mustard seed. Even though it may be small, but yet it can become very powerful. In other words, it can become powerful enough to move mountains. Are you with me out here? It can become powerful enough to where it says nothing shall be what? Impossible for you. I tell your neighbor, that's big. Tell somebody else, that's big. Somebody say nothing. 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 Shall be impossible with me. Come on, say with me. But notice how it starts off. It starts off as a what? A grain of mustard seed. A little small seed. But in that small little seed is power. But guess what? It don't have to stay small. Let me say it again. It don't have to stay small. Let's look at another parable. Look at Mark 4.30. Where he uses the mustard seed. Mark chapter 4, verse 30. Mark chapter 4, verse 30. And it reads, and he said, Whereunto shall I shall we what? Like in the kingdom of God. Or with what comparison shall we what? Compare it. Now we know the kingdom of God is God's way of what? Doing things. And God does everything by what? By what? By faith. 
But notice what he says the kingdom of God is compared to. Verse 31, it is like a what? Grain of what? Mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, what's it do? It does what? It, it dies. It what? It groweth up and become what? Greater than all the herbs, it shooteth out what? Great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. See, when it's sown, it's going to grow and continue to grow and continue to grow. But it has to be sown or what? Planted. And when it is planted, it says it does what? It groweth what? It groweth up. Now, growth means it's a continuous upward progress. Somebody say continuous upward progress. See, the continuous is the key. See, it can't get stagnant or lazy. It should never remain the same. Come on, your faith should never remain the same because if it stops growing, it will never achieve the greatness that God created it to achieve. Come on, say amen, somebody. Your faith should always be what? Should always be what? Should always be what? Growing. But you have to sow it in order for it to grow. Let me say it again. You have to sow in order for it to what? You have to sow in order for it to what? Grow. But the question is, once again, how do I sow this mustard seed faith? Go to Luke 17, 16 again. Let's look at that again. We read over it once again. But the answer was right here in Luke 17, 6 and Matthew 17, 20. But we'll look at Luke 17, 6 first. Where it says, and the Lord what? The Lord what? Said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might what? You might what? You might what? Say. Somebody say, I got to say something. Look at Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have what? Faith as a grain of what? Mustard seed. Once again, he says what? You shall what? Say. Both scriptures says you got to say something. In other words, you got to do a lot more saying this year. Why? Because you need a lot more sowing this year. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because you're expecting a greater harvest this year. Come on, anybody expecting a greater harvest? So that means you got to do some, some sowing. In other words, you can't afford to be stagnant. Because if you're, going, if you're not going forward, folks, or growing, you're going backwards. There's no in-between. If you're not going forward, you are going backwards. Come on, say amen, somebody. And your faith cannot afford to take a rest, and your faith cannot afford to take a vacation. Amen. Well, let's go to Romans 12.3 again. Because we found out we all start off with the same measure of faith. We all start off with mustard seed faith. Come on, say amen, somebody. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Where it says, are you there yet? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has what? Has what? Dealt to every man the measure of what? Faith. So everybody in this room has what? The measure of what? Faith. 
But once again, it's what you do with that measure and what makes a difference between remaining a midget or becoming a giant man or woman of faith. Let me say it again. It's what you do with that measure is what makes the difference between you may, may be, or remaining a what? Midget versus becoming a what? A giant man or woman of what? Faith. Let's go back to Luke 17, 7 again. Who wants to be a giant man or woman of faith? So you got to do something with that measure. Let me say it again. You got to do something with that what? Measure. You can't just let it stay stagnant. Luke 17, 7 says, because he's still talking about faith here as a grain of mustard seed. But he goes on to say in verse 7, but which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go and do what? Sit down to meet. He's still talking about what? He's still talking about what? Faith. But he's saying your faith is like a servant. Let me say it again. Your faith is like a what? Servant is supposed to be constantly working on your behalf. It don't have time to sit down and rest. Come on, say amen about it. But notice here once again, he's doing more than one thing at once. He's not only plowing the field, but he's also what? Feeding the what? Cattle. See, your faith once again can do what? It can work on more than one thing at a time. Your faith can be a multitasker. Come on. Your faith can be a what? Multitasker. We think we got, I got to believe God for one thing. When that comes through, then I believe him for another. No, you can put the whole everything in front of God. Because there's nothing impossible with God. Come on, say amen, somebody. Don't limit your faith. Tell your neighbor, don't limit your faith. Listen, it doesn't have to work on one thing at a time. Amen? And you don't have to say, faith, take a break today. Why? Because I'm going to go on vacation. Or I'm on a cruise. So you go on to the buffet line while I'm on this cruise. Come on, say amen. You don't tell your faith that. Tell your neighbor, you don't tell your faith that. Good look at verse 8. And he says, and will not rather say unto him, talking about faith, make ready wherewith, wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me. Till what? To have what? What? Eaten and drunken. And afterward, thou shalt what? Eat and drink. See, when you come in from the field, that's what he's saying to faith. When you come in from the field, when you come in from feeding the cattle, that's, not, that's still not the time to go to the buffet. I said again, when you come in from the field, when you come in from feeding the cattle, that's still not the time to do what? To get your butt in the line of the buffet. No, now it's time to put on the apron and keep on what? Keep on serving who? Me. Somebody say, keep serving me. No, you just keep working. You just what? Keep working. I'm not going to allow you to get stagnant. I'm not going to allow you to relax. No, you just keep serving and serving me and serving me until I'm full. Until I have what? More than enough. Come on, say amen, somebody. And afterward, if afterward ever comes, then you go to the buffet. But guess what? Afterward for us is when we go to heaven. Because in heaven, we won't need faith working for us and serving us. Come on, say amen, somebody. 
But he goes on to say in verse 9, does he thank that servant? Because he did the things that were what? Commanded. He said, I throw not. The New Living Translation reads it this way. Does the master thank the servant for doing what he is told to do? He says, of course not. Somebody say, of course not. You don't say thank you to the servant when they're doing what they're designed or birthed to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, faith is only doing what he is told to do. The key word is what he is told to do. What you are speaking. Oh, come on. Say amen. What you are speaking. And faith is only doing what he sowed to do. And that is to grow and grow and grow and keep saying and keep saying and keep saying and becoming greater and greater and greater until it becomes an attraction to everybody to see. Why? Faith has to be sown. Not only from what you hear, but what you hear yourself say. Are you with me out here? That's how you keep your faith working and working and serving you. How often? Day and night. Come on, say day and night. Because what you say and do during the day is still working while you're asleep. Let me say that again. What you say and do during the day is still working while you're, what? Sleep at night. But you got to make sure you're saying <laughs> the right thing. Because the wrong thing can still be working while you're sleeping at night. Oh, okay, all right. Amen. Go to Mark 4, 26. That works both ways, folks. Come on, that works both ways. If you keep talking negative all day, keep talking doubt and unbelief all day, guess what? That thing is working while you're sleeping. And it will bring forth a harvest. We'll turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Are you there yet? That's what he says there. And he said, so is the what? Kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. He's still talking about what? Seed here. And should what? Sleep. And do what? Rise. How often? Night and day. And the seed should spring and grow up. But he what? But he what? But he knoweth not how. Notice though, while he's sleeping. That seed doesn't just lie dormant. Something's happening in the ground to that seed, folks. Come on, say amen, somebody. That faith seed that you kept saying and saying and saying all during the day is still working while you're sleeping. It's still working when you wake up in the morning. It's still working all during the day because you keep saying and saying and saying. Because why? You will not allow your faith to get stagnant. Why? You keep hearing and saying. You keep what? 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 Hearing and saying. And you have all, and you always have an ear to hear. Come on, what God is saying in His Word. And you always have an ear to hear what His Word is speaking to you in your heart. So you're always what? 
listening. Because once you hear what's being said, now you're speaking it out each and every day. Come on, are you with me out here? But understand this. Once again, while that seed is in the earth, you don't see anything happening. It's covered up with dirt. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, you may not see anything on the surface, but that's what seed is still working behind the scenes, folks. Tell your neighbor, it's still working. Tell your neighbor, it's still working. You know not how. Let me say it again. You know not how, just like you know not how a natural seed grows. But it keeps growing. It grows days and weeks before you see anything on the surface. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because why? Listen, because you don't see anything doesn't mean it's not growing if you keep watering and sowing and sowing and watering. Just because you don't see anything on the surface, folks. Just because you don't see a change in that man or that woman. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because you don't see a change in your finances. Because you don't see a change in your situation right now. But if you keep sowing and watering, sowing and watering, eventually something's going to shoot up. Now, it's not going to shoot up all at one time. Come on, you don't sow a seed and all of a sudden it becomes a tree. A nine foot tree. No, there's a process. Come on, say, tell your neighbor, it's a process. Look at verse 28. It says, For the earth bringeth forth what? Fruit of herself. First the what? Blade. And then the what? Ear. And after that, what? The full corn in the ear. First the blade. First the blade. First the blade. Some of you have at least seen the blade so far. Try to sign up here. Somebody's seen the blade. Come on. But now you're ready for the what? You're ready for the what? The ear. Because you know right after the ear, what's happening? The full corner ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately you what? You ain't going to wait. You've been waiting long enough. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Why? Because it's harvest time. The harvest is come, folks. Somebody say the harvest is come. And once again, Bishop said the fire of the Holy Ghost will fall again. Because why? Because of all the praying we've been doing. Have we been praying? Have we been praying? Come on, have we been praying? And because of all the sowing we've been doing, have we been sowing? Come on, have we been giving? Well, guess what? That fruit is being brought forth because why? We have been faithful and loyal to the word of God. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we haven't allowed our what? Our faith to waver or be stagnant in spite of going through what we went through. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, what we do? We went to bed. We got up. Went throughout the day and still praised God. And still listen and spoke his word. Come on, say amen, somebody. We did not stop. We kept going and going and sowing and sowing. Come on. And now guess what? It is harvest time. It's harvest time. Hallelujah. Why? Because we still prayed and fellowship with God, folks. 
But like it says here, the harvest has come. Tell neighbor, the harvest has come. Because why? I keep my faith in servant mode. And eventually, I will see the manifestation of my faith. Come on, are you with me out here? But turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Because I want to give you a word of caution too. Amen? Because it is possible for a Christian to give their faith a break. And we're going to see the disastrous consequences. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 16 it says, But shun what? Profane and vain what? Babbling. For they will increase unto what? More and more ungodliness. In other words, don't put weed on your seed. Come on. Watch what comes out your mouth. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But it says in verse 17, and their word will what? Eat does well, eat as does a what? Canker, of whom Hymenius and Philetus. Who? Hymenius and Philetus. See, there's not a lot written about these two individuals, except they made their ship, they made shipwreck of their faith and they erred from the truth. Look what it says. It tells us in verse 18. Who concerning the truth have what? Have what? Erred saying that the resurrection is past already. And it says, and overthrow. The faith of some. See, they got away from the word and start making assumptions. And as a result, their error affected others. What happens? They allowed their faith to take a break when they got away from the word of God. And they even overthrew the faith of somebody else. The word overthrow here. Is the Greek word and a triple and a triple and it means overturn and it actually means destroy because of the decline of their faith it affected the faith of others matter of fact it caused others people's faith to be destroyed you can't become a stumbling block for other people. Let me say it again. You can become a stumbling block for other people. Because you got to understand, you got to always remember somebody's watching you, somebody's listening to you. That's the responsibility you took on when you said, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. And save me now. Come on, say amen, somebody. But now you see how important it is for you never to give your faith a what? A break. Because why? It not only affects you, but it affects those that are looking to you to help them strengthen their faith. Oh, come on. Y'all with me out. Anybody listening to me in here? Turn to 1 Timothy 1.18. You have a responsibility to others, folks, not just yourself. 
Let me say it again. You have responsibility to others, not just yourself. First Timothy 1.18. He said, this I, this charge I what? Commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, on thee that thou may what? By them do what? Mighty if war a what? A good warfare. Well, how do I war a good warfare? Amen? Because believe it or not, if you, don't, if you haven't recognized it yet, we're in a war. We're in a war. Amen? Even though the battle's already been won, we are still in a war. We're still in a battle out here, folks. Well, keep a marker here and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. We're in a war. We're in a war. And you better be well equipped for this war. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, For the weapons of our what? Warfare are not what? Carnal, but what? Mighty through who? God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. See, Paul was telling us, we're not only in a war, but we also have weapons. But those weapons have to be maintained or they won't work when you're facing a real enemy. Oh, come on. Let me say it again. The weapons will not will have to be what? Maintained or they won't work when you're what? Facing a real enemy. If you let that weapon get rusty and dusty and you never maintain it, when you do shoot it, it might backfire and shoot you. Or jam when you're trying to fire it. <laughs> and that's one of the things they teach you in the military. How to maintain your weapon. Ain't that what they teach you, what you carry in the police store? How to do what? Maintain your weapon. Well, if you don't maintain your weapon of faith. I'll say it again. If you don't maintain your weapon of faith. It too may misfire or backfire or jam up when you really need it. <laughs> Going back to 1 Timothy 1.18. Tell your neighbor, we're in a warfare. You better have your weapon ready. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. He says, this charge I commit unto thee. Son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before unto thee, that thou mightest what? War a what? Good warfare. Once again, how do I war a good warfare? By keeping the greatest weapon I have tuned up and always ready to fire. I might say, somebody say, always ready to fire. But not just fire, but fire accurately. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then he tells us in verse 19, doing what? Holding what? Holding what? Holding faith and a what? Good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made what? Shipwreck. Made what? Shipwreck. The word shipwreck is the Greek word naiagio. And it means 
to be stranded. It means to lose navigation. It's, divine, it's defined in the dictionary as the destruction of a ship at sea by sinking or breaking up in a storm or after running aground. Listen, if you're in a storm and your faith has become shipwrecked, you are in trouble. You become stranded, not knowing where you are, where you're going, or even how you're going to get there. Come on, say amen, somebody. But listen here. He's telling us. Listen here. He is telling us it is possible for our faith to become shipwrecked, run aground, stranded, even sink if we decide to give our faith a break. You will lose direction. Going off, what's this? Going off course. Listen, once you off course, sometimes it's hard to get back to time you lost, folks. And all it takes is a little minor error in your navigation, and at the end, you won't even be where you, you will be nowhere near where you're at or where you want to be. Come on, say amen, somebody. You'll be somewhere where God never wanted you to be. And what it would have never happened if you would have just maintained your what? Faith. Maintain your what? Faith. Verse 20 gives us an example of two men that didn't maintain their faith and it became what? Shipwrecked. Once again, he, he mentions Hymenius. Hamum is what? Of whom is Hymenius and who? Alexander this time. Who I, whom I what? I did what? Delivered unto who? Satan that they may what? Learn not the blasphemy. See, we've seen Hymenius in 2 Timothy, but here it mentions another person named Alexander. He too made what? Shipwreck of his what? Of his what? Faith. He ended up becoming an enemy of the gospel. But listen to me now. Both of these men had faith and a good conscience before making shipwreck of their faith. And see, we, listen, we not only have reference to a possibility of someone's faith becoming shipwrecked, but we have a recorded example. We have a what? Recorded example. We have another example. Look at 1 Corinthians 5 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. This person was a churchgoer. But he allowed his faith to take a vacation and didn't maintain it. And what did he do? He get caught up in fornication. Sex outside of marriage. Come on, he was saved and probably filled with the Holy Ghost. He's talking to the Corinthian church. Come on, say amen, somebody. All the gifts are operating in that church. Come on, are you with me out here? But he missed it. Because why? His faith took a vacation somewhere on the line. And look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 5.1. It says, it's reported commonly that there's what? There's what? Fornication among you and such fornication as not so much as named among the Gentiles. Even the Gentiles ain't doing what you're doing. This man is doing. That's how bad it was. That one should have his what? 
father's wife. He was having sex with his father's wife. Even the heathen didn't even go there back in those days. But look at what Paul says in verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit and my power and with my, with my, with my, and my spirit and with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, what did he tell them to do? To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the what? Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Paul tell him to do? Paul says, stay away from that person. Leave them alone. Leave them by themselves. Don't even, he's saying, don't even pray for them. Oh, come on, you with me out here? Why? He said, permit Satan to attack his body. And maybe this will bring him to repentance. And he'll get back on his faith. Oh, that's pretty serious. See, when you allow your faith to take a break, you give Satan permission. Who never takes a break vacation, who never takes a break, you give him permission to afflict you with sickness and disease. That's how serious this is, folks. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. That man was a churchgoer. This was church folk. Come on, say amen, somebody. What happened? Their faith took a break. That's why you have Christians in churches today still fornicating. Because if you continually read the word constantly every day, you ain't going to fornicate because the word hits you and 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 hits you. When you stop reading the word, most people don't want to go to work because it tells them what they ain't supposed to be doing. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. So they didn't want to crack the book because they want to keep doing what they're doing. But if you're stealing that word, you stay in that word, you stay in that word, you stay in that word, that word will hit you upside your head. Come on, say amen, somebody, backward, forward, inside and out, amen. And it'll, it's hard for you to go out there and do some stupid stuff if that word's constantly coming in you. But when you take a break, and stop that word. Amen. Satan comes in there. All he needs is a crack. And he's coming with a Mack truck. Oh, okay, all right. Tell your neighbor this is serious. Tell another neighbor this is serious. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. First Peter 5, verse 8. I know this is not a shouting message, but it's all right. <laughs> Glory to God. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober. Be vigilant. Be sober and be what? Vigilant. The word sober here is the Greek word let me get that right. No, the word vigilant. The sober, we know sober is you just don't be drinking. But be vigilant. 
is a Greek word, Gregorio. Gregorio. And it actually means to watch. It means to give, a strict, give strict attention to. It means to be cautious. It means to be active. Then it means to take heed, lest through remission and indolence or laziness, some destruction, some destructive calamity will suddenly overtake one. Let me say it again. The word vigilant is a Greek word, Gregorio, and it means to watch, to give strict attention to, to be cautious, active. Then it means to take heed lest through remission or indolence or laziness, some destructive calamity suddenly overtakes you. It refers to having a spiritual, watchful attitude. Let me say it again. It refers to having a what? Spiritual, watchful attitude. And it can be translated, be wide awake. Rather than going to sleep on the job. People are asleep on the job. Then he tells you why you should be vigilant. Because you're what? Because you're what? Adversary who? The devil. As a roaring lion does what? Walk him about seeking. Whom he may what? Devour. He's just walking around. He's just walking around. He's just walking around. Let me see what they're doing. Let me hear what they're saying. He's just walking around, just checking you out, looking for a weakness. Come on, looking for a blind spot. Come on, say amen, somebody. Seeing if you're slacking or not. Seeing if you're taking a vacation from your faith or not. Come on, see if you're over there drinking and smoking and, you know, because you don't need to do it right now, but you do it Sunday when you come to church. Why does he do that? Why is he just walking around? Because he knows the only way to devour you, which is the Greek word katapino, and it means to swallow up or destroy you. In order to destroy you, he has to get you away from your faith. Come on, say amen, somebody. Verse 9 says. Whom resist that fast. In the what? In the what? In the what? Faith. The word resist is the Greek word antihistamine. <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? Antihistamine. <laughs> now, it's a compound word of the words anti and histamine. Anti and what? Istamine. The word anti means against. As opposed to something. Are you with me out here? The word istamine means to stand. Are you with me? When placed into one word, it forms the word antihistamine, and it means to stand against or to stand in opposition 
To do what? Stand against or stand in what? Opposition. It's a word that demonstrates the attitude of one who is fiercely opposed to something and therefore determines that they will do everything within their power to resist it, to stand against it and defy its operation. By using this word, Peter is saying, you have to be aggressively determined to stand against the works of the devil. And you do that by what? Never giving your faith a break and always increasing your faith. Somebody say never. But he not only says resist, but he also says be what? Steadfast. Which is the Greek word stereos. And it means to be solid. Immovable. Stable. And strong. And be sure of yourself. See, in the faith, it says in the faith, that's what it's saying in this definition, in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren, where well, that's the rest of scripture, it says be sure in your what? Faith knowing that the what? Same afflictions are being what? Accomplished in your brethren that are where? In the world. See, you're not, listen, you're not the only one that has to maintain their faith, folks. You're not the only one. Tell your neighbor, you're not the only one. You have other brothers and sisters in the Lord and even pastors, even apostles, even evangelists, even prophets and teachers. They have to do the same thing. They too have to be what? Steadfast. Somebody say steadfast. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3.17. Because even men and women of faith our men and women of God have lost it. See, if you sit up here and you preach, 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 and you get nothing in you. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. You are in trouble. Because I could be teaching faith all day long, but if I'm not growing my faith, I will become shipwreck. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. And that's how a lot of preachers have gotten off. They preach, they sound good, but they stop feeding their faith. They got away from the word to feed themselves, folks. Come on, are you with me out here? Amen. Glory to God. Second Peter 3.17. Come on, let's say they have to be steadfast. Just like everybody else. We're anointed to preach it, but we're not anointed to live it. We got to live it just like you, folks. We got to maintain just like you. Second Peter three seventeen says, "You therefore, beloved, seeing you what know these things before, beware lest you what also being what led away with the error of the wicked and fall from your own steadfastness." This, once again, is proof. I don't care how long you've been a Christian or how strong of a Christian that you believe yourself to be. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. You can still fall from your own steadfastness by allowing your faith to take a break. Look at verse 18. But he said, but grow in what? 
grace in the knowledge of our Lord, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. He said, don't be led away in error. Instead, grow. Somebody say grow. Continue to what? Feed your faith and allow it to what? Allow it to what? Grow and increase until you reach great faith. And that's the level we're striving for. The level of what? The level of what? The level of what? Come on, you have no faith, little faith, but then you have great faith. Matter of fact, go to Matthew 15, 21. We're almost done. Are you there yet? Matthew 15, 21 said, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a what? Devil. And he answered her not a word. And disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she did what? She came, she came, she and what? Worship him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the what? Dogs. Now, we all know she could have got offended right there. And it would have ended right there. Come on, say amen, somebody. But this woman was steadfast. She resisted the devil, telling her to go home. You know the devil was talking to her. Go home. He don't want to have anything to do with you. Didn't you hear him call you a dog? Even though that may not have been what he meant. But that's what the devil tried to make her hear. But what did she do? She kept worshiping and saying. 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 And she said, truth, Lord. I'm not going to shut my mouth. Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Look at the response of Jesus. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy what? Faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was what? May hope from that very hour. He said, great is thy faith because why? She refused to give up. She refused to allow her faith to waver. She was steadfast. Say she was steadfast. And because of her steadfastness, guess what? Her daughter was made whole. That's key. Go to Matthew 8, 5. Her what? Because of her what? Steadfastness. Your steadfastness affects your prayer for your children. Let me say that again. Your steadfastness affects you praying for your children. Look at Matthew 8, 5. And when Jesus would enter into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the satirian answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should have come under my roof, but speak the word only. Do what? 
speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. That's faith talking, folks. That's faith talking. That's faith talking. He said, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go and he go up. And to another come and he come up. And to my servant do this and he do of it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And said to them that follow. Now he's, he, listen, he's testifying for this man. He said, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great what? Faith. No, not in what? All of Israel. See, his faith came from his understanding and revelation that he had in the word of God. Listen, that didn't come overnight, folks. It didn't just pop up. No, it was something he'd been working on, come on, ever since he heard about this healing Jesus. Come on, he meditated on the power of the word of God. He meditated on the power of the word of God. He started relating it to things that, listen, he started relating it to things that he is familiar with, his authority. That's what happens when you meditate the word of God. You meditate the word of God and you fit it into your situation, into your life and things around you. Come on, are you with me? That's called meditation. So he meditated that word. He said, listen, Jesus said, let me go to your house. He said, no, 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 no. It may take you long, too long to get to my house. Just speak the word only. <laughs> and my servant shall be healed. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Look at verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. As th and as thou hast what? Believe, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was what? Healed in the self-same hour. Come on, give the Lord praise. But I want you to notice something. In both cases, Jesus said it was their what? Great faith. Somebody say great faith. He said it was, listen, but he said, he said it was their great faith that healed their loved ones. See, I believe there's a faith that you need to develop and maintain for yourself. But when it comes to great faith, that goes beyond you and touches somebody else. Oh, are you with me out there? Are you with me? See, God's desire is for you to have great faith because why? He wants to use you mightily in this earth. But that's going to take you what? Resisting and being steadfast when it comes to your what? Faith. Why? You never know when God's going to call your number to use your faith for somebody else. So you have to make sure that you're always ready. You got to make sure you're always tuned up and ready to fire. You stay tuned up and ready because why? You understand the power of faith, folks. If I go to 1 John 5, 4. Whoever's doing the screen, you need to add on Ephesians 6, 16, the last scripture after 1 Timothy after First John, no, after First Timothy, six twelve. I'm giving you a heads up. Ephesians six sixteen is the last scripture. First John five four. It says, "Whatsoever is born of God does what? Overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. What? 
Even our what? Even our what? Faith. Listen, if it's your faith that empowers you to overcome the world, would it be a smart thing to do to take a break? To take a vacation? Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Listen, your victory this year is going to be determined by your faith. Say it again. Your victory this year is going to be what? Determined by your faith. So don't allow yourself to get stagnant or lazy when it comes to your what? Faith. Like Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 12. What did he tell him to do? What did he tell him to do? Do what? Do what? Fight the good fight of what? Faith. Why? Because it can be a fight, folks. So you got to be steadfast. And you got to continue to grow your what? Faith. That's why you have to fight the what? Good fight of faith. You got to fight past laziness. Come on. You got to fight past inconsistency. You got to fight past complacency. You got to fight past procrastination. You have to fight the what? Good fight of faith using the greatest weapon of all. When it comes to being armored up and against the attacks of the devil, last scripture, Ephesians 6.16. He says, above all. Somebody say, above all. See, that means this is important. He says, above everything. He said, above what? Above what? Above all. Above all the other armies. All the things you're doing. He said, above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all. He didn't say some. He said all the fiery darts of the wicked one all the missiles he's throwing at you guess what he said if you got a shield of faith on you're able to quench and stop the attack come on same as somebody he may throw one at you but guess what you have a shield around you and everything he throws just bounces off just bounces off that's why I said you got to take on the what shield of faith but you got to make sure your faith shield is shiny. Don't walk around with a dirty shield, a raggedy shield, a shield that you didn't maintain. Come on, say amen, somebody. And this is how we're going to win this year, folks. This is how we're going to receive everything that was prophesied by not allowing our faith to take a break. It's time to stop playing with this thing. Say it again. It's time to stop playing with this thing. This on and off thing got to stop. Because why? As a roaring lion. And you can't blame nobody but yourself. Because as a roaring lion, he's just seeking. He's watching you. He's watching you. 
He's listening to you. He's observing everything you're doing. He's looking for a way to get into your life, into your family, into your children. But he's looking at you. Come on, it was that woman's faith that healed her daughter. And he called it great faith. Come on, lift your hands and give God praise. Come on, lift your hands and give God glory. Hallelujah. Come on, God spoke to some people tonight. Hallelujah. You can't have this up and down thing this year and then expect to walk in everything that God prophesied over New Year's Eve and all the other prophecies that's still going to come forth. You can't be wavering, folks. You can't be making excuses of why you can't do something, why you didn't do something when it comes to your faith. Because it's going to catch up with you. And that lion, he's just waiting. He's just waiting. Give the devil no place. Say it again. Give the devil no place. Say it again. Give the devil no place. One more time. Give the devil no place. Lift your hands again.